0: This morning we're going to continue our series called Awkward Family Christmas. And Christmas, it is a, a season that is filled with uh, a lot of emotions. It, it is a season of joy because we get to spend time with, with family. And it's also a hard season because, well, we spend time with family. Because we all have these awkward families, and whenever Matthew is describing to us the the ancestors of Jesus, it gets awkward pretty quickly we 're looking at some of those people that Matthew includes in that family line, and what what we can learn about about who is included in the family of Jesus brene brown a uh, uh, sociologist has uh, spent the last several years studying um, vulnerability and shame and and worth the emotion that she describes as being the most dangerous and the most vulnerable experience of all human experiences is the emotion of joy and that sounds a little bit um surprising but she says that, that the problem with joy is that most of us experience it in this, this uh, the way she describes it is it's foreboding joy. That anytime we experience something good in life, that we struggle to really just sit with it and, and appreciate it in that moment. That we have this foreboding sense that it's going to be taken away from us. That the other shoe is going to drop at any moment. That, that somehow we don't deserve what we are experiencing. And once somebody, once God, or once the, the powers that be figure out that we are this happy, they're not going to let us be this happy for very long. We all experience that, that's, that sense of foreboding joy. And the Christmas story, the, the, the coming of jesus speaks to this experience of of human life and particularly the story that uh, of the of judah and tamar that we're going to look at this morning and it's it's not going to sound like a christmas story you're going to have to kind of hang with it till the end to see where it fits into the christmas story but i'm glad you're here this morning and we're going to stand and worship this the savior that has come much of the book of genesis follows the story of the family of of jacob jacob has 12 sons with uh, four different women and as you can imagine rivalry and competition filled that kind of family and judah was in this family he was uh He was consumed with this. He was not the oldest, so he wasn't the biggest. He was uh, not the youngest, so he wasn't the favorite. He was the fourth. And so he was just kind of stuck in the middle. Now everybody in the family knew who the favorite son was. That was Joseph. And it was abundantly clear because uh, of the clothes that he wore. He had that coat of many colors. And, and one of the, the, the byproducts, the results of wearing that coat, it meant that, that Joseph couldn't do any work. He couldn't be out in the fields doing the manual labor with all the other brothers. He was treated differently. He was treated as if he were special and the rest weren't. And the other, um, at least the, the older ten, they despised Joseph. They saw him coming out to them in the fields one day, and they decided they finally had enough. Initially, the discussion was that they were going to kill him, but, but Judah des- decides that there was a better option, that they could profit off of this. They could sell him, and they could keep the money. They could take his coat, and they could dip it in some animal blood, and take it back to their father and tell their father that, that he was killed by an animal. So that's what they do. Now, I don't know if it was out of the, the guilt or, or, or what, but after a period of time, Judah decides that he is going to move away from his family. But the shadow of his family goes with him. And that brings us to Genesis chapter 38. So I encourage you to open your Bibles with me there to Genesis 38. And Judah has moved to a place called Adullam. While there, he finds a wife and has three sons. And there's an important lesson that Judah needs to learn, he's going to learn in this chapter. And that is that there is no win in comparison. For all of his life, he has compared himself to another brother. And he's still going to struggle with this kind of Mindset. Andy Stanley says that, that we all live in the land of er. What he means by that is that we add the letters er to the end of any word. That we want to be better. Stronger. Smarter. Richer. That we, we kind of kill ourselves in the pursuit of Er. And it doesn't just end with us that, that we, in our relationship with our spouses, that we try to err them. We think we're going to fix them and make them better. Or we have children and we are going to help them to have a better life than what we did. So we want them to... Uh, to pursue sports and we we push them or we we push them in school we want them to to achieve more in this pursuit of er and and it's really not even about our kids or our spouse it's really about us and our own uh, comparison with with the family next door with the person that we graduated high school with that we want to be better than what they were what they are maybe it's just coincidence but Judah's first son is named Er Judah 38 or Genesis 38 verse 6 says that Judah got a wife for Er his firstborn and her name was Tamar but Er Judah's firstborn was wicked in the Lord's sight so the Lord put him to death so Er is wicked Er than others, and as a result, he faces judgment. We're not told exactly how what the, the wicked activities Ur is participating in, but it results in God's judgment. Now, in this two verses here that we've just read, every time, uh, both times that, that Ur is mentioned, it is said that Judah, uh, that he is Judah's firstborn son. The firstborn is the one that is going to inherit, it, inherit more. He's the one that is going to, to start life a little bit uh, higher up the rung than every other sibling. So he is given the, the position of privilege in the family just because he is born first. But because of his wickedness, he dies. And that leaves Tamar, his wife, in this difficult position. In this society, women, they, they couldn't work in, in ways that would support themselves. So ancient cultures had a, a practice where the, the closest relative, and oftentimes it was the next oldest son or, or brother, that would then um, come and, and lay down with the, the widow and have a child. So that she could have somebody that would... would um, would then grow and, and take care of, of her. So that's exactly what, what takes place. Judah goes to the, the next son, Onan, and, and says, says to, to fulfill your, your, um, your responsibilities. But Onan, he, he wants the joys of the relationship without the responsibilities, and so he does lay down with her, but he makes sure that she doesn't get pregnant. And this too results in the judgment of God and he is killed. Now what should happen, what every reader of this would have expected to happen is that Judah takes his third son and gives uh, him to Tamar. But Judah, he's still comparing himself to others. And if he does this, then what kind of shame is going to be brought on to him if if this third one dies and so he he doesn 't he doesn 't give this he, he wants to have a son to make sure that that he has an inheritance and so so he, he sends Tamar away he kind of shirks his own responsibility because Tamar should be under his household now, and this becomes clear later whenever Tamar gets into trouble and the the, the leaders of the city, they seek out Judah, not her parents who she's living with. They seek out Judah to determine what the the, uh, the punishment for her behavior is going to be. Because he was the one that was the legal guardian of Tamar. So he comes up with this ruse and says to, to go home and live with your parents. And whenever the third son is old enough, then I will give him to you but tamar over time figures out that this was a lie and read with me what what tamar then does in verse 13 when tamar was told your father-in-law is on his way to temna to shear his sheep she took off her widow's clothes covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Anaim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that though Sheila had now grown, she had not been given to him as his wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face, not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law. He went over to her, by the roadside, and said, Come now, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you? She asked. She ends up getting from him the equivalent of what would be his, his wallet. And Tamar becomes pregnant from this one time of sleeping with her father in law. Now isn't this a, a lovely Christmas story? Don't you just want to just run home and read this to uh, to your kids around the Christmas tree? Now it gets even better. Because once it is discovered that she is pregnant, the, the, the townspeople, they, they, they gather around and they know that what should happen is she should be killed. But it's Judah's responsibility, so they send word to Judah and let him know that, that she is at the end of verse 24, Judah gives a very brief response. Bring her and burn her. It's pretty harsh judgment. But as they are carrying her out of her home, she says that this man is the one that has impregnated me. The one who owns this wallet. She asks to send word to Judah to see if he might recognize whose that is. And of course, Judah does. Judah, in verse 26, recognizes them and says, She is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son, Sheila." And he did not sleep with her again. This story, it confronts the double standard that that Judah is living with in in his life. Because here he is, and he's he's living away from God. He's moved into Canaan. He's taken a Canaanite as his wife. And every Israelite knows that that is a a step away from God. And he looks at the sinful actions of his daughter-in-law, and he condemns her because of her sexual sin. But he has committed a a social sin. He's not providing for his own family, and he looks at those and he compares them, and he says that, that her sin is greater and deserves death, and my sin deserves no punishment at all. It's very easy to compare And to look at others and say that theirs is worse. But at the end of comparison is this harsh judgment. And all it does is bring the judgment upon ourselves. Whenever our eyes are open like Judah's, we recognize not just the objects, but he recognizes himself. He sees his own behavior and he then begins to live differently. And this is where we get to how this is a Christmas story. Because whenever we turn over to Matthew chapter 1, as Matthew introduces the birth of Jesus, he says that Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Of all the people that Matthew has chosen to include and those that he excluded, for some reason Matthew decides that he's going to include the story of Judah and tamar and it's not just matthew for some reason of all the 12 brothers of all the 12 sons of jacob god has chosen to bring about the birth of jesus the messiah the savior of the world the one who's going to reconcile all things he's chosen to do that through judah and what's interesting is that that in the 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 grand story of the book of genesis And the the story of of Jacob's family, the purpose of Genesis chapter 38 is to draw a contrast between the 11 brothers and Joseph. Because chapter uh, chapter 39, the very next story, is uh, of Joseph and displaying his sexual integrity. But what we see is that inclusion is God's choosing. Judah, Tamar, and the children, Perez, Zara, they are included into the family of Christ just because of God's choosing. Because of God's grace, they have been included into it, the family. Every culture has certain requirements, certain, uh, certain qualities that are required to be included in the in-group. Whether you're talking about a, a junior high in which it's about having the right labels on your clothes or having a right look. Or as adults, whenever it, it's about the, the education that you have or the lack of education or the, the school that you went to or, the, or having an office job versus a manual labor job, every culture has the, the set of requirements that if you meet them, then you are included. And Tamar lacks every one of those. She's... A woman and woman, women do not get included in genealogies. Most scholars believe that, that because Judah is living in, in Canaan at this time that she's a Canaanite, she's not uh, a, a part of the Israelite clan. And so she's, she's this outsider, and yet she is included. We lie to ourselves so often that we think that we, we are included because of, of our own goodness. In America, we, we talk about pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and we think that, that it's because we have worked so hard that we have what we have. Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, Outliers, says that, that about 95% of the success is attributed to, to factors that are outside of your control. Yes, you can work hard, but you did not control the fact that, that you were born at this time in which um, we are, are, are flourishing as a country. You couldn't control what parents you were born to. There are so many factors that are outside of your control that if things were just slightly different, your life would be different. But whenever it comes to the family of God, it doesn't matter. Because it's about God's choosing. Kevin Kevin read for us uh, Galatians 4, and I just want to read again a couple of verses there. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. What Judah and Onan refused to do in being a redeemer of Tamar, Jesus Christ has done. And Paul says that that he has redeemed us. He's adopted us as sons. And and Paul's very specific in not saying sons and daughters. He could have done that. But what he he does whenever he says sons, is he's making sure that, that you understand that That even though you may be a woman, that you have been raised to the status of being an heir. Because sons weren't included in in the will, they weren't included as an heir. But because of God's choosing, the Christmas story is about the wanted, or the unwanted are now wanted. Those who were considered unlovable. Jesus loves. Those who are on the outside, Jesus welcomes all of them into His family. Listen to these words from Paul. He says that that God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. And I love the way that the New King James Version puts the last part of that verse. It says that He made us accepted in the Beloved. The world may not accept you, but you have been welcomed. You have been accepted in the Beloved. So how do you live into this story. Those of you that are, are in the family, let me ask you how can you include the unwanted? Can you look around you and make Christmas not just about you and, and your closest family, those that, that you are in closest relationship with, but can you look around you and see those that, that they maybe don't meet the requirements of this culture to be included? Widows and widowers are still, uh, in this culture, those that, that are in large part excluded. Those that are are single parents, they don't don't fit into the the model family of what we think a follower of Jesus are. And so, so oftentimes they get excluded. Make this Christmas season one that truly is about Jesus by living into His story. And extend the grace that He has given to you to others. And there may be some Secondly, that that you're not in this family. That you haven't accepted the grace that has been given to you. You haven't allowed the adoption papers to be signed. That you haven't been baptized into Christ to to take on the new name, to take on the name of Christ, and and that that you are wanted. Then we invite you to do that this morning. We're going to stand together and sing another song of worship. And these words just as I am. You don't have to clean yourself up in order to come into this family because Christ came and He's redeemed you. So we invite you, we implore you to come as we stand together and sing.